It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Brian texting 630-630. Would love for the Oilers to get Caulfield. We'll tell that story on Friday night when we cover the NHL draft from Vancouver here on 630 Chet and on Global News Radio 880. I have a story here from earlier in my broadcasting career. It's actually one of my most favorite stories of uh, of all time. When I was working in, in Lloyd Minster, so the college there is Lakeland College, and I, I believe it was the 0304 season, and Lakeland College the Rustlers added a basketball program and uh, they hired Phil Allen as their head coach. If you are at all involved in basketball in Edmonton, uh, you know the name Phil Allen. Unfortunately, uh, he passed away a few years ago, but but great guy. And uh, they, they were playing a game against Nate. And Nate was obviously much better than, than Lakeland at, the, at this time, obviously. And Nate, in fact, had two of the top collegiate players in the country at that time, I, I, I would say just judging by my own observation and what some other people in the basketball community told me. So this turns out to be a a great game. Lakeland's playing, you know, this relatively new team. They're going head-to-head against Nate, this national power, and it's back and forth at the end. And, you know, Lakeland actually had a pretty good team that year, but, you know, to actually beat Nate this, this early would have been pretty cool. So it's late in the game, and Nate's up by a point or two, and Lakeland's got the ball to go ahead. And the uh, wrestlers player drives to the hoop, and he's got an open lane to the hoop. And the, this kid on Nate gets scrambles back on defense, like he's helping out for somebody else. And he and he hops into the lane, and he and he tries to plant his feet and make it look like he's been standing there. And the Lakeland kid goes in and makes a layup. And this 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 scoundrel from the Nadeuks. <laughs> flops to the ground like he's been hit in the head with a sledgehammer. And the referee calls a charge on the Lakeland player, which was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in, in my life. Because it was clearly it was clearly a dive by the Nate player. He, he didn't even get all the way over into the driving lane of the Lakeland player. But it, the basket didn't count. Nate got possession, and they went on to win the game. Little did I know that less than two years later... That player off the Nate Ooks would be hired as my co-worker in the New Cap Television Sports Department in Lloydminster. And that person would go on to be a very dear friend. Our time working together in Lloydminster is one of the most enjoyable tenures of my career. And this would be someone I would remain in touch with. And this individual is now the head coach 
of Nate's basketball team. And he joins me in studio now at Slav Corner. Okay, Slav. Hey, okay, first of all, my feet were planted. Second of all, when you're the defending national champs and you've been an all-star for four years, you get those calls, Reed. Your feet were planted, but the guy never hit you. That's all I'm saying. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm also five seven and like one fifty five, so it doesn't take much for you well, know, to that knock is, me that, down. That is true. That, that is true. You're not the sturdiest guy in the world. <laughs> but it's funny because so Slav gets hired in Lloyd, and I knew he he played, and I was like, so you would have played here, and I and he's like, yeah, I, I would have played here a couple times that first Lakeland season. I was like. Okay, hang on. And I run up to our tape department. <laughs> and this was in the, like, I even put it in the highlights for the sports show that night. And I was like, that's you. You're the kid who dove. And he's like, oh, I didn't dive. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, no, you were, what, what's the story? You're the you're Nate's all-time leading scorer. You're second. What's the story? No, uh, I don't know where I am. When I finished playing at Nate, I was the second all-time leading scorer in Nate's history and first in assists. Um, a friend of mine, Jay Damery, who was a teammate of mine as well, he was the all-time leading scorer. He's also the all-time ACAC le- leading scorer. Well, do you know I where you are all-time in Alberta? Uh, yeah, I, when high. I finished, I was third. Yeah, I think uh, that's changed now. They also have five years in the ACAC, so guys are playing five years. So that's you had kinda, four. I had four, and yeah. Some guys would have had two or three, I guess, in that's various. That's right, yeah. Various. yeah. All right. Uh, now, you mentioned your, your height. So how were you able to... Like, I, I, I kind of hate asking this because it, all sizes work in basketball, but, like, sometimes in basketball, if you're 6'2", you're short, and, mm-hmm. and you were 5'7". How did you make it work? Uh, I think I was blessed with some athleticism, so that certainly helped. I was quick and uh, could jump a little bit. That helped. And then, of course, you know, having some skill always helped. So just worked on my game. I had the benefit of always being short, so it's not like I was, like, six feet when I was 12 and then just stayed six feet and then had to adjust from going to be from being a tall kid to a short you know full-grown man so I was always short so I just kind of like played a lot of basketball figured it out had some athletic ability and that was about it do you remember the time we we played one-on-one was that you? you? That was, well, you and I played. We, yeah, didn't, yeah. we okay. didn't film it, but just like, and I, I said, like, I know you're going to beat me, but just actually play full throttle. Yeah. And you said, yeah, I don't, like, we were friends at that point. So <laughs> you said, yeah, like, I'll just, like, you knew you were going to beat me. And, and I remember one of our camera guy buddies at the station said, like, you guys are actually going to play. I'm like, yeah, like, we're both going to take it seriously, but just for, uh, I always want to get a concept of how quick and how good he is. is. And this, it was it was Brian Haiti. Yeah. And he said to me, "What do you think the score is going to be?" And I said, "I said I'll probably score, and it'll be 11-1." Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, I got the ball, and you were just like smothering me defensively. <laughs> so I just randomly threw the ball up, and it went in. <laughs> and then I scored another one late in the game. Yeah. So it was 11-2. Yeah. But like I, you were just, like, well, you just you just took the ball away from me at will. Well, I remember uh, the camera guy Brian there playing me one on one as well. That time we played for money, so uh, he probably thought I was, was going full out. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's he did. <laughs> it was the easiest twenty bucks I made. So I mean, the int- interesting journey for you because uh, so obviously we know each other through broadcasting. Like me, I, I I'm older than you, so I went through it first. But we both we both went through radio and television at Nate. Mm-hmm. We worked in television together. Uh, then where you went to Red Deer. Yep, right? that's right. 
and then you came to Global in Edmonton, or was there somewhere else in between? Uh, no, that was it. Yeah, went to uh, went from Lloyd uh, to Red Deer, did sports there. Was a sports director there for a bit. Unfortunately, the station there uh, closed its doors, so we all got laid off. And then, fortunate enough to get a job at Global uh, a few months after that, and stayed on there pretty much for ten years. Now it was about ten years ago when I started there. So. Yeah, was there until just recently. And so, I mean, your your passion for basketball is is, is incredible. I mean, I've known that about you the whole time. But did you, was it right into coaching for you? No, no. I took uh, there, there was a gap there between my playing days and coaching. I mean, uh, just with my work, working evenings and stuff, it made it really hard to get into coaching. It was uh, about six, seven years ago when I got into coaching. Quite, you know vigorously I guess um, because my job at Global allowed me to I was working early mornings and getting off early in the afternoon so got involved in high school basketball provincial teams and that sort of thing and then eventually made my way to U of A a couple of years ago all right and then you were an assistant with the Bears yeah. last, the last couple of years so how do you uh, how, how do you break in did, did your experience as a player help or, or you still have to do all the coaching clinics and things like that yeah, I, I just like I just approached it with the mindset. I just wanted to learn as much as I could. Uh, I mean, uh, I guess playing does help in certain ways. For sure, it does. It it helps, but it certainly doesn't give you all the answers. And the game has changed so much. Even from when I the time I finished playing in college, like the game has changed so much in terms of just the style of play. I mean, you see how the Golden State Warriors play and even the European style. So I just went into it with the mindset of trying to learn as much as I could. I got. Uh, a lot of certification done I went to clinics and then also just coaching with coaches who know more than me mm-hmm. so just kind of having that open mindset and just trying to learn as much as I could and I felt like okay I'm getting better and better and I'm learning a lot so I'm gonna keep doing that and I just have a passion for the game and didn't mind putting in the time well I mean I know that about you you're an incredibly hard worker and you're cre- incredibly dedicated so you know, we, I mean, we've stayed in touch pretty consistently, even though we haven't we haven't worked together. So you've always given me updates on what you're doing, and I've seen you know where you're coaching and stuff. So I'm, I'm not surprised you took this path. Getting the the Nate job, what's it been like? <laughs> like in, in being in that coach's office where you would have been going into as a player 15 years ago, and now you're the coach. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's been the first couple days I got in there it was a little bit weird just like walking through the hallways again being in the gym uh, going into the coach's office where I had some uh, good and not so good <laughs> meetings with uh, my former coach and now it being my office it was a little a little bit strange but also exciting at the same time um, it's just a thrill I guess just to kind of like go full circle from uh, my time as a player there to 15 years later or whatever it's been to go back and coach there it just feels like my life's kind of come full circle especially my basketball life anyway so it's been it's been uh, pretty incredible. Slav Kornick head coach of the Nate men's basketball team joining us here in studio uh, on Inside Sports. So basketball is is a sport where there are a lot of teams, especially at, at the post-secondary level, certainly in the NCAA, Krzyzewski, you know, Patino when he was coaching, and all guys like that, Dean Smith, Bobby Knight, I know some of those guys, Dean Smith's no longer with us, uh, uh, Willie, Roy Williams, like they, they're associated with one or two schools. Mm-hmm. Even in Edmonton, I mean, you still say Golden Bears basketball and, and people still say Don Horwood, like he hasn't been the coach for, for over a decade. Yeah. Um, Given that, like, what's the 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 balance between sort of the the personality of the coach 
and you want to promote the program and do that kind of stuff, but you know, shining the light on the players and that type type of thing. Well, I think at the end of the day, it's it's all about the players. Like you can um, you could do what you want as a coach, I guess, but if you don't have the right players who obviously they need to have skill and that sort of thing and the athleticism be able to play at that level, but um, if they don't also aren't, you know, good students, I mean, they are going, we're not coaching professional players here. You need good students and you need guys that are going to fit into your culture and that sort of thing. So I think for me, it's just establish, establishing a culture, principles that I think the players should stand by and the program stands by and then trying to attract those players. But once we get them in large part, it's my job to guide them. But I mean, it's their it's their program in a way right like they're the ones who are going to be on the court and putting in the work and um you know they're going to determine our success in a lot of ways now can you still recruit players for this fall or did the previous coach do all the recruiting uh you're getting guys this summer still we can we can still recruit yep how how do you how do you find that now that's such a huge job for a post-secondary coach yeah it's uh yeah it's a big job especially when you have the opportunity to um recruit internationally or you know nationally um, so it's, it is a big job. I mean, I've been around the basketball community in Edmonton and Alberta for quite a long time. So when it comes to this area, I know, um, the kids quite well who are in high school right now, or, you know, prep schools and that sort of thing. Um, and then nationally, it's just a matter of having connections helps like knowing people around the basketball community and other cities and areas, um, helps. And then hopefully your program is recognized enough where there are some athletes who contact you as well or you have other coaches who you who you know who might contact you and tell you hey mm-hmm. there's a guy here who I think is a good fit academically and I think could be a good fit for your program as well so um, you're kind of relying on some of that would you like well maybe a loaded question would, would you like though if you you know as you establish yourself as a neat coach would you like to have mostly Edmonton players at possible like is it important to keep the high school stars at home so to speak i think so i like when i was at nate our by and large all our players were from edmonton or the surrounding area and i would like that i mean i i don't think it's ever going to be like all 12 15 players on your roster are going to be all from the edmonton area but ideally i want i would like a core group a good core group of being edmonton based players i think it's it's important it's it's important for the school. I think it's important for the program. Um, I think it's important for other younger athletes to see that we're bringing in Edmonton athletes, and right. maybe that motivates them as well to want to become part of the Nate program. Well, because you know what it's like, right? Like if if Mount Royal comes up and a, a guy scores thirty against Nate, and it turns out he went to Ainley, you yeah. know what you're going to be at, even if you win, you know what's going to be after. Well, why didn't you get that guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. You definitely. I mean, yeah, we want to try to get the best uh, best players we can from the local area for sure. Slav Kornick, head coach of the Nate Ooks men. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Basketball team and my former co-worker at CKSA and Lloyd Minster. More with him when we get back. (laughs) 
this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Ninth inning, Blue Jays trailing the Angels 3-1. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Reed Wilkins joined in studio by the uh, new head coach of the Nate Ooks men's basketball team, former player for the club, and uh, until he got this job also, uh, what were you doing over at uh, Global? I was uh, working in the online department as a reporter there, so right. doing the on-air stuff in the morning news, doing hits there, and then uh, writing and reporting for online content. You think that online stuff's going to catch on? <laughs> no, just just the face, just a fad. <laughs> just trying to That's why I got out. Yeah, yeah you're like, there's no future in this <laughs> online stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Raptors won. You must have been pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Um, actually, I was just talking to my buddy. We uh, like we were at the Grizzlies-Boston Celtics game in 95 when the oh, Raptors wow. and Grizzlies first got to the NBA. And then, so that was like an exhibition game for their first season. And then when the Raptors came to play the Grizzlies in 98, we were there as well. That was in Edmonton. Oh, right. The, when Vince the, the Carter the and Tracy. Cup, did they yeah, call it that's that? right. That's right. So, yeah, needless to say, I've been, uh, since Jordan retired, Toronto's been my team. And they're, uh, as Oilers fans could kind of relate, there were some dark days right. as a Raptors fan after Vince Carter left. Um, and in recent years, it's been nice that they were making the playoffs, but then they had the reputation of kind of choking or just not really playing up to their capability and losing in the first first or second round every year and then finally to see them uh you know make it over that hump and get to the honestly when they got to the final that was good enough for me I thought like I I thought that Golden State would pull it out Mm -hmm. but um once the series started and they pulled out that first game I was like man they could actually win this thing and to see them do it last week was uh was incredible it was uh kind of hard to believe it was pretty exciting I mean I've been talking about quite a bit all all the people getting on board and, and watching so is this, let me put it this, because you know, you know what critics of basketball say? Well, critics of the NBA say, you just need one really good player and the rest of the players not to suck. Yeah. So, like, is this just, well, they got Leonard and if he leaves, they're going to be mediocre again? Or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think in the NBA you can win a title anymore with one player, because especially now with the free agency and how that's all worked out with what Golden State's done, bringing in right. Durant and, you know, what Miami did, LeBron did with uh, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. So they have good players. Like Kyle Lowry, as much as he's been criticized, he was, uh, he's was he been an all-star for several years. Uh, Mark Gasol was a defensive player of the year. I know he's getting a little bit older. Uh, Siakam's, you know, a budding stars. Well, he's a guy mm-hmm. who probably is going to be an all-star a couple times in his career at least. So they have good players, but n- there's no doubt Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players in the world. And yeah, if, if he leaves, they're probably not going to be a championship contender unless they bring in somebody that's, you know, another all-star type player. Maybe they can make a run at it again in the East. When, when you watch the NBA, how do you judge the quality of a coach? Because I mean, Nurse got criticized for a couple things in the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. And Well, maybe put it this way. How, how was he, in your mind, if at all, better than Casey, who won Coach of the Year and got fired? I think, <laughs> like, yeah, Dwayne Casey. See, Dwayne Casey was a bit more of a defensive uh, coach, I think. He had that reputation coming into Toronto, coming out of Dallas. He was an assistant coach at Dallas when they won the championship. Mm-hmm. And kind of was heralded as their defensive coordinator, if you will. Um, I think Nurse just has a 
better mind, I guess. That's, you know, the general consensus for on the offensive side of the game. Uh, I think he was able to make a lot of really good adjustments during the course of the playoffs when the Raptors needed it at a timeout. It's like mid-game kind of adjustments mm-hmm. where I think uh, Dwayne Casey didn't really do that so much. That was one of the things that he was criticized by. It was a lot of kind of iso ball with DeRozan and Lowry in the playoffs and teams uh, that they were playing against were able to adjust to that defensively quite easy. And then uh, Casey never really made those secondary adjustments, whereas Nurse did for pretty much you know every game. He was doing some great things. So what is this, in your mind, what does this do for Canadian basketball? Because now we're, we're, we got 13 Canadians in the NBA, so that's an entire mm-hmm. team of Canadian players. There could be, what, seven, eight, nine guys picked in the NBA draft who are Canadian yep. out of 60? Yep. So do we do we truly know the impact of this Raptors victory? Because this is now sort of a generation after Nash was the MVP. Yep. So do we need 8, 10, 12 years before we see the true impact on Canadian basketball in terms of talent? Po- possibly if we're talking about like seeing athletes get it, get to the NBA, that sort of thing. I mean, you um, a lot of the NBA players right now are from Southern Ontario, by and large. Right. That's where they're from. And they got to the NBA probably within the last five, six years. And they credit Vince Carter to a lot of what they, you know, accomplished, motivating them to get into basketball, that sort of thing. Well, so so a na- the Nash wave is maybe still all not quite here? Maybe. I, I honestly think that Vince Carter probably had a bitter... I know that's, you know, that might be a little bit controversial, but I think Vince Carter had a bigger impact on basketball in Canada than Steve Nash. Um, and you listen to the guys who are in the NBA, like Andrew Wiggins and Tristan Thompson and all those guys, they will say the same thing, that it was Vince Carter who really motivated them, especially because those guys all come from Southern Ontario. Right. So I think it's going to be big in terms of getting uh, more kids involved in the game around the country. Basketball is huge in Southern Ontario already. Like People who are in the basketball community, it is one of the biggest hotbeds in the world when it comes to basketball. Like The NBA players we're getting right now are... Almost all of them are coming from Southern Ontario right now. I think the Raptors NBA championship is going to have an impact on the rest of the country, but now it's kind of up to basketball people around the country to keep those kids involved in the sport. So I think it's going to uh, help get more kids involved in the sport right now, but it's going to be up to us, people who are involved, coaches, organizers, administrative people, to um, create a system like in Edmonton and Alberta, for example, using our area as an example, to keep those kids involved in the sport, provide good coaching, provide good avenues where the kids can play the game, enjoy it, um, develop, that sort of thing. Slav, we got to do this again. This was awesome to uh, to see you again, to have you on the show again. Congratulations on, on taking over the Nate basketball team. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, Slav Kornick, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Awesome to catch up with Slav Kornick. From broadcasting to basketball. Well, he was always involved with basketball, but uh, now the uh, head coach of the Nate Ooks men's team. He's going to do a great job there. Uh, 
had a great time earlier today. I was at the Lynx in Spruce Grove golfing in the Crystal Kids Golf Tournament. Thanks to Ken Franchuk and everybody from Crystal Glass for having me out. Really a fun event. A little bit of iffy weather early, but it was quite nice, actually, after 9 o'clock. It was, was an awesome day, so thanks a lot uh, to Ken and all his uh, helpers and volunteers and all the great people with Crystal Kids for putting that on. Uh, another bit of a Nate connection today. Jalen Nye, you probably heard on the afternoon news, was at Nate's productivity and innovation center talking about innovation technology all, all that kind of cool stuff so uh, dave campbell the producer of the show said hey hey reed we should do something on this theme and uh dave said uh, i know you love golf well i kind of hate love golf but uh, he said i know i know you love golf uh why don't we get the head coach of the national men's golf team from team canada on the show so dave booked this guy Derek ingram Derek, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. It is uh, it is awesome to have you on the show here. And are you uh, are you at a PGA event now, or, or getting ready to, to hang out at a PGA event? What's going on, Derek? I'm, yeah, I'm actually in Hartford at the Travelers, uh, just for a couple quick days with Mackenzie Hughes, uh, helping him prepare. Okay, well, and that's uh, you know the life of a golf coach. Probably uh, a lot of traveling, and you're you're the head golf coach for for the national team. How long have you been doing that gig now? It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I've been the head coach on the men's side, so I coach our men's amateur team and our men's young pro squad for about six. Uh, years and prior to that, I was the head coach for our women's team. So uh, I've been in that in that role for at least ten years. So, give me a sense of sort of the the ebb and flow of the schedule. Are there specific uh, competitions that maybe you have athletes wanting to, to peak for, or how does it sort of lay out for you as you're working with some of our top golfers? Yeah, no, great stuff. On the amateur side, I'm I'm really trying to help our top amateur players prepare for professional golf, and so to do that, we want to want to play in some of the biggest amateur events in the world and and have success in the biggest amateur events like the USM, the Canadian Am, the British Am, and other. There's other in, invitationals that are really big amateur events like the Jones Cup, etc. Uh, and actually, one that in Calgary called the Glencoe Invitational that's going on this week. So we're going to try and help our players prepare and have success at the national level as, as amateurs and then transition uh, transition them into the professional game and so that's kind of and the schedule's busy year-round it's you know, there's a training season where we're mostly busy in the winter training and then there's a competition season which is spring summer uh, and fall although it never ends it seems well, in Edmonton, it ends for a few months in the winter. Trust me, <laughs> but no, that's 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 awesome. And and and, and I mean, look, I when I, when I was a kid, you had Dave Barr, and and then you know as I got into adulthood, obviously you had Ames and and Weir. But now, I mean, yeah. it's great. A, a much longer list. Weir got the major. We're hoping somebody else is going to break through someday. Yeah. Just where you've seen Canadian golf come in the last two or three decades must be pretty amazing. Well, really impressive both on the men's and the women's side. Obviously, you have the winningest Canadian ever in, in history, and, and Brooke Henderson, who's not just a star, she's a superstar, and ultimately will be the best player in, in the world on the female side, and probably for a 10-year period. She's just incredible. And then on the men's side, there's really great strength in numbers. We have more players in the PGA Tour than we've ever had. Uh, we've got eight or nine. You know, you look at uh, winner Corey Connors this year in San Antonio, Mackenzie Hughes, 
who won two years ago, Nick Taylor, who just had a good U.S. Open, Adam Hadwin, who's the top-ranked Canadian player in the world, uh, you know, Ben Silverman, Game Hearn, and the list goes on, Mike Weir, Graham Dillette. So we've never been – Roger Sloan, I forgot as well. We've never been stronger on the men's side. And if you want to get wins in the PGA Tour, you have to have more than one or two players playing in events. And now we got seven, eight, nine, and I think we're going to have, you know, way more success than we've had in the past. Yeah, well, that's awesome. It's it's so exciting when you have a Canadian near the top of the leaderboard because I mean, look, it's almost like we saw we just saw with the Raptors, Derek. I mean, we have all these little regional rivalries in the NHL and the CFL, but when it comes to some of the team sports or or golf or or tennis, like it's like the whole country stops to watch if a Canadian's going for a win on, on Sunday, right? Yeah, I think, you know, that's how I think a country should be. You should have heroes that you you want to follow, and as a young, you know, boy or girl, you want to look up to and try and emulate or be like them, whether it's in tennis, what's going on with, you know, how, how successful we're being in tennis, or whether it's the NHL or CFL or, or golf or like the Raptors. And I think that's great for a country to have people to cheer for and, and have great role models, and certainly the players that I named uh, in golf on the men's side, the women's side, they're, they're not only great, you know, Know, great players but super role models for young people Derek old people too yeah that's, that's, that's a good point <laughs> uh Derek Ingram joining us tonight on uh Inside Sports you know we got we got a, th- a theme today talking a little bit about uh innovation and, and technology and golf has uh, come a long way from the uh, feather-stuffed golf balls of <laughs> or whatever no, they were filled no with. Kidding. Yeah, but but it's it's interesting because I, I feel like things really took off. Um, you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I I just feel like in the 80s and 90s things took off, and now there's all these innovations, and you watch a tournament or watch the U.S. Open, and it seems like every second commercial is for this or that that's going to shave strokes off your score. I know it's not that simple. It helps to have a reliable swing, but look, I'm I'm an everyday golfer, and in the summer I, I like to play you know as much as I can, but that's not that much. Good. When you when you hear about clubs and balls, like what could actually help the everyday golfer, or is, or is a useful innovation for for the average uh, guy like me? Well, the biggest innovation probably, well, the golf ball is so much better. I'll, I'll start with that. The golf ball is so much better than it was fifteen or twenty years ago, and so. Um, you know, if you're using a, a premium golf ball, I think it's going to make a big difference. But even even the the top you know ball makers, their their second line ball and third line ball, they're still miles better than even the top of the line ball 15 or 20 years ago. So that's a big innovation. Obviously, we have a our our, our national team sponsors Titleist, but there, uh, there's also other excellent golf balls out there. For, but I would say, you know, Reed, what's really interesting is the quality of the driver now. Uh, you know, they're bigger, they fly straighter, they fly higher, and they go further. So the driver and shaft combination, you know, can make a significant difference in how much fun we're going to have playing the game. And getting fit on a launch monitor, we uh, use a foresight and a track matter, a flight scope, and all those technologies are excellent. But it'll tell you, you can maximize the launch angle the spin rate and then the carry distance and the roll and and really help you you know have something that's going to again allow you to enjoy the game play a little bit better and and uh you know for for not that ridiculous a cost so i think it's it's a the the driver is just going to be because it's it it sets up every single hole it's it's one of the most important shots because it sets up you on every single hole yeah well that that's a good point and 
I mean, the one thing, I mean, a very simple observation I can make, Derek, if I go back to the, the clubs I used in my teens in the 80s, like everything's just oh, so yeah. much more. I remember my everything's so much lighter. Like I remember my dad got a one iron once because he was really good with his irons. And he's like, I'm going to get a one iron. Like I could barely lift the thing. <laughs> yeah. No, no and, and I guess the second thing, Reed, is like getting, you know, when you get iron sets now, yeah, they're so much lighter. They're made from better steels. The ball launches higher, carries further. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the technology and equipment has really made a nice difference in, in, in people's enjoyment of the game and their scores. What what's another uh, you know one thing I noticed I, I don't I don't have one but a lot of buddies I golf with they they got the golf watch right like I'll be setting oh, yeah, up for a yeah. shot and they're like oh you're one forty eight out and I was like how do you know and they're looking at their wrist this was a couple of years ago yeah. like, he's like so like are all the courses now mapped into these 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 watches. Yeah, virtually everyone has, uh, all the courses now have these GPS devices that you can have on your iPhone or, or your watch, uh, or just in the, in the good old days, it was just a, a separate from your iPhone. And then they realized, oh, we can stick this on your iPhone and get the same information or, or on a watch. And it'll tell you fairly accurate, accurately the yardage to the flag, to the front of the green, to the back of the green. Uh, it, you know, and, and, you know, that's kind of handy in terms of speeding up the game too. If you hit it two fairways over, you're like, oh, I still, you can get your yards pretty quickly and, and maybe still make a decent shot. So those those are a really cool innovation uh, and not that expensive. Again, you can have it on your phone or your, or your arm and, and know that. And that, and that, that uh, has made it, you know, in the, in the good old days, we'd have to pace that off. And uh, if courses weren't marked well, uh, it would be very difficult to get that. I think another cool thing uh, uh, that people are starting to do is, is they're track, tracking their, their rounds uh, and comparing them to friends and, and comparing them to, to themselves. They're tracking possibly their handicap on the Golf Canada app. Uh, you can do that for very inexpensive. And, and you can see, oh, this is my best score ever. Or, you know, you can see your range. This is what I average. And you can say, oh, geez, I'm struggling on some holes. And wonder why that is. Maybe I should take a different strategy on that hole. And so there's just a ton of apps that will help you, you know, track your stats or your handicap. Uh, and on the PGA Tour at the very, very highest level, they're really looking for a tenth or a quarter of a stroke in different areas. That's the difference between winning and losing. Well, yeah, that's uh, and, and you're right. There, there's so much out there that you can have at your fingertips on your phone, on on your wrist, which is which is pretty cool. Derek, you, you've made a living as a golf coach, so I got to ask you this because I I know I have lamented my golf struggles on this show several times to the point where I think listeners thought I was just doing therapy. But I know I always hear from people who say, "Yeah, I'm with you, Reed," or I get good golf jokes uh, texted in. But if you if you had a message for the everyday golfer, and I know we all have thousands. Of different swings but if you had a message for the everyday golfer or just a, a good thought to keep in your head while you're playing uh, what would that be i would say that uh you should uh, don't overthink it i think would be the number one tip that i'd give both average golfers and even players that i coach in the pga tour we train it so they do a lot more practice on the pga tour high level amateur amateur players they train hard so that you can trust it when you go play and i would say even for the average golfer maybe you don't get the practice that much but on the golf course you shouldn't be overthinking it you know have one one thought at most or two 
two, two thoughts at most, but honestly, one, and be fairly athletic and, and, and then let it go. You're going to be way more success, successful doing that than if you have like a checklist of 10 things to think about. That's going to rob you of your athleticism and your ability to swing with flow uh, and the rhythm. So, you know, look and go. I, I think it's, you know, it's that's really what you want to do. You want to tap into some athleticism from other sports, look and let it go. And uh, on the on the range, train it and, and spend a little bit of time. But on the golf course, trust it and hit it. Well, that's that's great advice. So, th- and, and thinking less, I, th- I people are going to be happy yeah. to hear that. <laughs> oh yeah, no. If, if if you think too much, you have virtually no chance of playing well. If you think too little, you can actually play some great golf. You know, you've got to. It's got to be athletic and a little bit like, you know, in basketball, you look and you shoot. In hockey, you, you just get the puck and you shoot. And in baseball, you don't have time to think when someone's pitching to you. Just hit. Well, in golf, I want you to look at the target and then let the let it go. Don't don't stand over it for a half hour trying to. Uh, crack any atoms it's it's not physics in, in, in your capacity coaching with, with the men and the women d- yeah. do you do mental training yourself or there, will there be more sports psychologists involved in that or how is that working for for canadian golfers yeah. it's a great question i mean we have a i have a sports psychologist on our on our coaching team and a physiotherapist and a th- strength and conditioning coach and uh, a nutrition expert so we have a great team with our national uh, for our amateur team and our young pros and, and then the PGA Tour, I mean, they don't leave any rock unturned. Uh, but I am very strong in that area of mental skills. I've written two books on the mental side of golf and, quite frankly, working on a third. Uh, and, you know, because I've played the game at a decent level when I was younger and still love to compete, uh, I, I can relate to athletes who are, you know, under pressure, obviously, way more pressure at, at a way higher stage. But so that's I think you know I'll do everything from from short game to technique and the full swing and you know course managing etc. But there's a lot of mental skills built in there. Uh, you know just you know calming yourself down with with a you know breathing you know as opposed to short quick breaths you know you know breathing and and emphasizing the exhale and then really being athletic really really looking and letting it go is is so key I think even for for just fun golfers. Yeah, well, I, I love that advice, and I, I love how you talk about the mental side of the game too. And I, uh, man, I can't remember the name the name of the book, but it focused on Watson and Nicholas, and when Watson was trying to overtake Nicholas, and Watson, I mean, I'm summing up a long story here, but he basically realized Jack was beating everybody because he was mentally tougher and he was making fewer mistakes, and Watson finally bought into that and he started winning more. Well, I I think I've, I'm not sure what that book is, but I've read that story as well, and um, you know, it, it, Jack Nicholas was was you know modern day Tiger Woods, and and so uh, he was so much stronger mentally than, than guys, and he wasn't beating himself, and uh, I think that's the thing for ourselves either. When you're all playing some fun rounds, don't don't beat yourself up too badly or harshly, you know, uh, and then also don't like you said, don't overthink that game, you know, you look and go be athletic and let it let it go and then find it and, and do the same thing again Derek we got to have you on again I, I love talking golf this was a great chat I feel like we just scratched the surface on, on a lot of different topics uh, but I know you're busy there at the Traveler so I'll let you get back to work thanks for checking in hope we can talk again this summer yeah it's my pleasure Reed anytime great stuff with Derek Ingram another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Head coach of the Canadian men's golf team. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Back to wrap it up. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Excellent track. Hey, we're giving more stuff away. Are you tired of paying speeding tickets? It, 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 that sounds like a, a commercial for one of those uh, lawyers you see on American television. Are you tired of speeding tickets? Call Inside Sports now and get represented by Kennedy and Wilkins. We'd be a hell of a law firm, Kellen. Yeah, we'd have to come up with one of those catchy uh, taglines at the end of the commercial because well, it usually is like, you know, get your case settled fast or something, right? Yeah, we'll think of it. We'll think of it. Uh, are you tired of paying speeding tickets? Well, here's your solution. 630 Chet and Fast Track Indoor Karting want to give you an on-track experience. Call now. Score yourself a pair of passes to Fast Track Indoor Karting. We will do caller number one, the fastest caller, 780-496-0063. Man, fun show tonight. You just heard from Derek Ingram, the coach of the Canadian national men's golf team. Slav Kornick was in studio, one of my good friends now, the coach of the Nate men's basketball team. Chris Johnston from Sportsnet setting up the NHL draft. You heard some comments from uh, Mike Riley as well, and an excellent story by Phil Mickelson. You miss anything, sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast or uh, go to the show page on 630chat.com. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell, our studio operator, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. Back tomorrow, I I believe yesterday I promised you Colton Pareko, who uh, had to put us off by a day because he was going to film some TV show in New York. So hopefully we have Stanley Cup champion Colton Pareko tomorrow on the show. I'll talk to you then, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.